InfoTrack continues. Once again, here's Chris Whitting. One out of five Americans reportedly takes at least one psychiatric medication, such as an antidepressant or anti-anxiety drug. Is there a better approach to mental health? Our next guest believes there is. He's Graham Cowan, author of Back from the Brink, True Stories and Practical Help for Overcoming Depression and Bipolar Disorder. Welcome to the show, Graham. Thanks for having me, Chris. You were a top executive at a number of major companies, but you also spent 20 years battling a mental health disorder. Tell us about that. Yes, I had my first episode probably when I was about 20, but in 2000, when I was Joint Managing Director of a management consulting firm called AT Carney, I went through the worst depression my psychiatrist ever treated. It was precipitated by the tech crash in 2000. And, you know, in a very, very short period of time, I lost my job, I lost my marriage and became estranged from my kids. And while working, it was just unbelievably difficult to try and keep up a positive front when inside I felt dead. Can stress and pressure at work cause mental illness or is it just a contributing factor? It can certainly contribute to a mental illness. Some people have a predisposition like me to these illnesses. And when I look back, my episodes have always been preceded by, you know, a level of stress. And it was often associated with work, funnily enough. And I don't necessarily blame my workplace for that. It was often stress I put on myself. So it is something that is incredibly prevalent in the work community. You know, we did an assessment and found out that 34% of lost productivity comes through depression and stress disorders through absenteeism and presenteeism. Presenteeism being where people are at work but not fully productive. There has to be a significant cost to business and industry when employees are battling depression, I would think, just in terms of lost productivity. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, it's 34%. So it's the biggest cause. But I think one of the most disturbing things, Chris, is in my research, I also found that 86% of people going through it would rather suffer in silence than discuss it with their workmates. So here you have the biggest cause and no one's talking about it. It's something that certainly needs to be addressed. We're talking on InfoTrack with Graham Cowan, author of Back from the Brink, True Stories and Practical Help for Overcoming Depression and Bipolar Disorder. Graham, if people fighting depression don't tell anyone about their problem, what's the answer? How can others help them? Well, I think one of the most successful things that can be done in an organization is to encourage an are you okay environment. And in Australia, we have a, actually have a day called are you okay day. And what that's about is encouraging people to reach out to people they're concerned about and to ask, are you okay? Now, how you tell if someone is ready to be asked, are you okay? Is when you see, I guess, a prolonged change in behavior, you know, everyone has their off day, but if someone is suddenly isolating from work colleagues and they're doing it four or five days in a row, if they're suddenly turning up late or getting their projects in late, that's a signal that there is something wrong. And so if supervisors and work colleagues can ask that question, that can have a profound effect in the way that it's received. And when we started Are You Okay, we 
ask workplaces or people why they don't ask it in the workplace. And the main reasons were they didn't know how to start the conversation and they were frightened that someone might say they're not okay and not know what to do. So we recommend a four-stage approach where you break the ice, you talk about the weather, talk about the sports, talk about family, and then make an observation about the change in that behavior you've seen. You know, someone's turning up to work late and say, are you okay? Is everything okay? The next step is really important to listen without judgment. Don't jump straight in and try and solve it. Keep asking probing questions to try and understand the full situation. You have a greater chance to influence that person if they feel understood. Third thing is to encourage them to take action, to see their doctor, to call a helpline, to call the employee assistance program, and then to follow up to see if they've done it. And we just have so many emails and letters to say that that simple conversation has changed lives. That's fantastic. Now, what other situations can an employer put into place that might be preventative to help employees from becoming depressed. Is there any answer to that? Yes, there is. And I really believe, see, one of the frightening statistics is that 70% of change efforts fail because organizations fail to properly plan for employee health and the change process. And so managing both well-being performance is central to long-term sustained performance. So one of the things that we really recommend is the first thing is to link your well-being strategies to the overall purpose of the organization and the values of the organization. Don't make it something extra, it's something integral. Make sure leaders lead by example because a recent study in Harvard Business Review showed that only one in four employees believe that their leader leads a sustainable lifestyle. And yet those that do are 55% more engaged and have 72% higher well-being. So leaders leading by example have a massive flow-on effect to their people. Having a multi-year plan, this stigma doesn't change overnight. So plot the years ahead. Include questions in your employee engagement survey about if they had depression or anxiety, how comfortable are they talking to their advisors about it? Having a variety of well-being programs, both to keep people in the green zone really resilient and well, but also to help people that are in the red zone and make sure that they're available anonymously because that stigma isn't going to go away overnight. And so being able to access it anonymously can make a huge, huge difference. And monitor progress in the employee survey if you're getting questions or seeing the responses about how comfortable people are to talk about stress in the workplace, see if that comfort level improves over the coming year. And I think the final thing, Chris, and I can't stress how important this is, is to identify champions for the cause. These aren't necessarily in the leadership hierarchy. They're people in the organization that are often incredibly influential. They have informal leadership. They may have their own mental health understanding through family issues or whatever. If you can get these people on board, if you can get these people skilled up, that can have a profound effect on changing the culture of an organization. And ultimately, that's what we want to do is to change the culture. We often hear that exercise, just moderate exercise, really counters depression. Is that something that the workplace can encourage as well? Absolutely, Chris. It's so critical. And that can be done in a number of ways. It could be, of course, having the traditional things like 
gyms around or encouraging walking at lunchtime. It can also be in the form of having walking meetings. You know, I work with a large bank in Australia and this whole division decided to abandon sitting meetings for groups of six and less and actually walk outside and to discuss things. So there are many examples where healthy practices can be incorporated into the workplace. People can make phone calls while they're walking, for example. That's something that I often do, often call clients while I'm out on a walk. And, you know, it's good for my health. I think my energy levels are better when I speak with clients. So, yeah, exercise is a critical component for employees to consider to not just improve physical health, but certainly mental health as well. The book is Back from the Brink, True Stories and Practical Help for Overcoming Depression and Bipolar Disorder. Graham Cowan, thank you so much for joining us today on InfoTrack. Thanks for having me, Chris. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. A production of Syndication Networks of Chicago.